Hey guys, Alex Lokes here, and welcome back to the Classic Camera Revival. Um, we alluded to this a little bit in our previous episode, um, but we are going to talk about the cameras that are our shelf queens. Well, not not always shelf queens. Sometimes they're bag queens in some cases. But these are cameras that no longer work, but we just can't have the heart to get rid of them because... They look good. They're iconic in some cases. Or they're just on the future. I might fix them later shelf. Um, so, yeah, sometimes uh, we can be a wee bit of hoarders when it comes to our uh, camera kit. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival. Coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. So, um, yeah, I'm going to uh, kick it off this episode. And a camera that, um, again, we um, Matt alluded to in our previous episode. And I'm talking about the SX-70 LAN camera. I'm not talking about a one-step. Not talking about Plastic Fantastic or anything cheap. This was the original Instant Integral film camera. Um, and it's brilliant. As Matt said, it's um, it's a single lens reflex design. Um, manual focus. Auto exposure. And it basically shot out the film. You could watch it develop right in front of your eyes. I was lucky in the sense that I found mine at a garage sale before the um, explosion. Just, just, um, just shortly after um, Polaroid, the original Polaroid kicked the bucket. And people just basically were telling me, I can't get film for this, can't get film for this. I'm like, I don't care, right? There had already been rumors surrounding um, um, the Impossible Project and the FPP was still on their um, Film Polaroid podcast kick in the early years. So I saw this, immediately recognized it for what it was, and grabbed it for like $5. It's in really good condition. Wow, There's five a, bucks for that? Yeah. Wow, wow. that's a good deal, man. That looks uh, perfect. I, I, did, I got a lot of my early cameras... I call them my five dollar cameras. That yeah, that's enough. We Criminally don't need to cheap hear anymore. About <laughs> yeah, Alex's yeah, adventures. shut up. Yeah, no, 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 shut no. up. Two point eight, but I'm bitter. Yeah, tell us how you really feel, John. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's a mixture of bitterness and jealousy, I think. So, um, again, the person I got this from, they basically said it it doesn't work, and I had no way of testing it. There was no film available for it, so. As soon as I got some of my, um, I mean, I got a a different SX-70 that I bought known working to uh, try some of the early Impossible Projects um, film from. So I would actually have a camera with um, a film pack with a battery in it. So I could, the, the print set didn't work, the dark slide, I could put them back into the film pack, load it in, test, make sure it worked. And after a couple iterations, it actually started working again. So I'm like, excellent. This is this is just great. I can actually use this beautiful piece of engineering that, again, it's a single-lens reflex camera that you can fold, you can focus, 
auto exposure and I got maybe one pack of film out of it <laughs> and then it died again. And I just can't get, I just can't bring myself to get rid of this because it just looks so damn nice. It, it cuts a fine figure. It looks great sitting up with the rest of the shelf Queens that I have. I'm lucky in the sense that this is only one of two cameras that I have on my shelf queen that actually don't work. Oh, well, you're doing better than me. <laughs> um, the other one is my Omalox's um, Instamatic, and it has a dead selenium meter, and it relies on the selenium meter for everything. And also, as Mike Ekman has written in his um, his blog about reloading Instamatic cartridges, it's a pain in the ass. And just not worth the effort, no matter what you do. So, yeah, I'm. It's it is truly an iconic piece of um, photographic history. Um, well engineered camera. The optics leave a bit to be desired. Um, but yeah, no, I I I will never get rid of this this camera. Um, and then going on to. Um, Completely and totally destroyed, James. <laughs> so, well, I guess you got to ask yourself when it comes to repairing cameras. When in doubt, send it out. You know, um, and if you're going to attempt it uh, yourself, um, make sure it's a camera that you can live without. Um, so I don't know. I I don't know what I was thinking, but one day I got intrigued with the uh, Voigtlander Vitomatic series of cameras. And they're basically really cool-looking um, uh, 50s-era uh, 50s cameras. They have that real art, cool Art Deco look about them, so I thought they looked really cool. So I got intrigued, and I bought one. And then I decided... Um, well, I, I bought it, and it was working, and then it stopped working. Something happened with the, um, with the film advance... And so I decided to, um, you know, attempt to repair on it, and, and I'll, I'll let you know how it turned out. <laughs> let me guess. You reassembled it, and there were a few parts left behind. A few spare parts. <laughs> well, at least it didn't catch fire. Uh, that is true, and I didn't burn the house down. Um, so I started with a uh, Vitomatic uh, 2CS, which was, I think, the latest iteration that came out. I think in like 64 maybe. Um, and uh, one of the reasons I, I just, I loved the camera. It worked really well. Um, you know, good optics on it and everything. And I just, uh, you know, these are complicated machines from back then. That one's not. That one's in a lot of pieces now. Yeah, well, now it's really simple. Now it's really simple. <laughs> yeah, but you figure out how to put all that back together. I took zero pictures and didn't document anything, which is, brings me to my next point. If you're going to take it apart, Take pictures, document it, video yourself doing it. It's oh. good use for your Polaroid. There you go. Use your Polaroid for it. I learned the I learned the importance of documentation in my first year college programming class. Yes. Yeah, so well, there you and go. And I had a professor who, if you had zero comments, you got a zero on the assignment. Yeah. So, I mean, look, if you're going to get one of these cameras, they're they're cool little cameras. Um, uh, they're fun to use, nice, cute little rangefinder. Um, some of them have meters, some of them don't. The meters are located on the top plate of the camera, which is a bit weird. It's an incident meter that I guess 
measures the sky. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the meter there. That's the dome for the meter there, and that little battery. I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. There. This is the metering unit here. So if you want any of these spare parts, uh, mine's, mine's Franken smaller than that, though. Out. <laughs> I, ha- I have one that's smaller. Yeah. Oh, it yes, works. there is a small... I've seen a smaller meter today, actually, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> saying that you're smaller than that isn't always the best idea. In yeah. context, it's okay. Context In is con- everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not the motion... It's not the size of your meter. It's the motion of your focus ring or something. How you use it. How you use it. It's, um, it's, the, tra- it's the distance travel of your focusing yeah, uh, helicopter. Uh, the length of your zoom. Um, but anyway... Uh, if you're going to find one of these things, you can get them fairly cheap. They're they're like if you're paying like more than 60 bucks, then you're paying too much. James has a pair he'll do 34 yeah, for, for both the pair. Yeah. Some assembly required. Some assembly required. The, it's it's now an IKEA stick. IKEA made cameras, yeah. yeah. Um, your own Allen key. But um uh you can find them fairly cheaply and the the thing with these cameras is they don't fire unless they're loaded. So a lot of camera shops get them or thrift shops will get them and they'll say, not working, put them in a dollar bin. You know, if you're going to go out shopping for some of these things, always bring a junk roll of film with you if you're going to shop for a camera um, because you can you can throw them in there. I'm not aware of any repair shops that actually s- service this camera in particular. Um, and they're becoming harder and harder to find too. I don't, I'm not sure how many were made. But you know they were basically the family camera of the uh, of the fifties and sixties, so or or among the family type cameras of the fifties and sixties. Um, what can I tell you? I uh, got a little bit too, and I'm I'm fairly mechanically inclined, nowhere near as good as Matt, but um, you know I fixed I fix a lot of things, um, but you know obviously got in over my head with these two. I bought the second camera to make a Franken camera. For the first one, because I figured, you know, the internal, the, the meter might be different, but the internal parts will probably be the same. Did you take any pictures the second time? I didn't time? take pictures the second time either, no. So you made the same mistake. So what have you learned? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you're going to attempt a repair yourself for the first time, and I did this, you know, going in fully aware that I really didn't give a crap how it turned out, as you can tell, and... Uh, I guess suppose it's here for a rainy day if I ever feel so inspired to put it back together. But I, you know, I, I, I can bet you dollars to donuts that's never going to happen anytime soon. You should c- cut them in half and glue them together and make a super wide. Uh, I can do a stereo camera with them. How about that? There you go. Well, speaking of stereo cameras. Good segue there. Eh? John. Uh, Lovely. I'm going to talk about the. David White Stereo Realist. And this is a camera that's sort of a craze that went on in the 1940s and the 50s for, uh, for stereo photography. And uh, just a historical note, stereo photography goes back to like the 1860s. Uh, it's very, very old. It's basically a camera, you have two pictures um, and with two, uh, two lenses and there'd be a difference about the, the same length or distance between your two eyes and you'd use like a stereo viewer mm-hmm. uh, and you could go through and see an image in, uh, in glorious 3D. If you're of a certain age, you might remember Viewmaster. Uh, you know, that's very popular as a child's yep. toy. Uh, exact, same, um, exact same process or exact same idea. And so uh, there's someone I knew from the, um, from the APUG, funny, funny enough, a guy named David White but no, he was not uh, connected with the camera. 
and he showed me a couple of the images that he had shot with uh, with the slide film. David White, I think I met him. Yeah, he was at the uh, Hamilton one that we did down uh, by the yeah, Hyde. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Where are you, David? I haven't heard from you recently. But anyway, and so he showed me a couple of images that he had shot with, and he had a little 3D viewer to use, and I was just absolutely blown away that there's a certain kind of magic about it, just the way there is, at least to my eye, to viewfinders or to viewmasters. So I bought one. Didn't really work. I think I got through maybe one roll. Uh, the film transport, I think it's a complicated beast because you have to, like the... Every few frames, it has to adjust, sort of get onto the next set of pairs. It's it's complicated, you know. It's 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 like contacts complicated in that sense. So I have two of these, and the and the film advance doesn't work on either. But I don't want to give up because the, the thought occurs to me that like in the old days, you would have to get you know the basically these uh, 3D viewers like you'd. Uh, you put special slide mounts to put the two images in, and you hold this thing up to the, the light source, and everything looks groovy. Bit of a pain in the ass. What I'm thinking these days is if you have something like any kind of smartphone, there's um, the, the technology that comes to mind because it's cheap is called Google Cardboard, which is basically a very inexpensive VR or 3, 3D set. Basically, two lenses. It can work with software on the iPhone that'll, that'll, uh, that will display two images side by side. So you can do things like, you know, 3D roller coaster simulation, that kind of thing. But the thought occurs to me that why not do something like that for stereo pictures? Come up with a template to save your images hmm. and then a very simple image viewer uh, on your, on your smart, smartphone ought to do it. So, because other, otherwise, like some of the uh, the options out there, are are comical at best. There's one technique where what they'll do they'll, they'll actually turn your uh, images into an animated uh, GIF. GIF. I say GIF. 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 If you don't. GIF like is it, the peanut butter. If you don't like it, too bad. Um, and the image would flip back and forward very, very, very quickly, sort of a flicker, and give you sort of a pseudo 3D approach. Yes, Alex is making his face like he just sucked on a lemon. I've, I've heard it called wiggles. Or, or sat on a zoom lens. Wiggle, yeah. wiggle pictures. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's just not good. The other approach is... It gave me a headache. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they give good headache. Um, <laughs> and the other approach I've seen that will give you a headache is... Uh, if you do the, it's called the cross-eyed approach. Mm. You get close and then look cross-eyed. No, not no. Looking at an image should not be a an exercise in pain. So I'm thinking, a an application, or just using a standard image viewer, on an on a smartphone with uh, with the 3D glasses, would uh, would not be hard to do. So uh, I think it's a neat camera. I like the fact that. Uh, the, the range finder is on the bottom, so when you're focusing this, you have to hold it up here. Oh. So you look a bit strange. It has a military style range finder, so it's like the split. It's the, the split image. The lenses, I think, are sort of what, um, 35 millimeter, 28s. They're sort of, they're, they're wide angle. They're the, very small. They're, yeah, very small. 
and like it's certainly a solid camera. You know, it's uh, it's if you drop it, it'll it'll hurt the ground. So are the are they offset focal lengths? Is well, one focal length different than the other? No, they're exactly the same. What what gives the stereo effect mm -hmm. is if you see that there are three lenses there. Mm -hmm. The lens in the middle is your viewing lens. Okay. And the lens on either side <clears throat> are focused on the same different part. Oh, no, it's the same. Yeah. So that so you get the parallax effect. Oh, I got gotcha. you. So it's exactly it's exactly how the illusion of stereo of depth of field right. works for human eyes. Right. Uh, just our brain has the software built in. We don't need to use wiggles. Mm -hmm. The very very slight differences in um, in um, in how we the perceive things. The yeah. separation. Thank you. Uh, makes all the difference. Hmm. Cool. So uh, at some point, I, know, I I don't know if anyone still repairs these. In some respects, they're very simple to repair, but it's that uh, it's that film advance system. So um, I'm going to have to track someone down because I would love to to do some more work. Because if you've never seen a 3D image through a viewfinder, there's a there's a certain kind of magic to it. I I was sold. Uh, someone you might want to um, get in contact with is uh, Mark Delzell from the uh, Film Photography Project. Um, I'm kind of remembering a past episode I wrote show notes for and I believe he had something for the Viewmaster he actually had oh yeah, I heard that right. episode yeah. Yeah. yeah and there yeah. was a camera made to allow you to shoot Viewmaster yes yes. yes that's the one yeah. he had so he might have some ideas I think he usually punches things back into working order and if, yeah. if he if that, <laughs> I thought that was Dane I thought it was both of them actually yeah. if like firm firm strikes in the correct place and Kodak made one too that looks a bit similar to this yeah not so much on the repair side, but on the stereo uh, camera side, uh, we have a local guy, Stephen Lederman, who is uh, part of the Toronto Film Shooters group mm. as well. He's a really cool guy. I bought a pile of film off him, but he shoots stereo all the time, and he's a really good local resource um, on, there you go. Uh, on learning. And so fire the questions away to him on the Facebook page. He's, and, he's a solid guy. And strictly speaking, if you want to shoot stereo, if you don't mind, you know, only certain topics or subjects will lend themselves to it to this approach. But you can do it with one camera and a mm -hmm. tripod. Yep. You shoot one picture, move the camera very careful over about two inches or so. Yep. Shoot your next picture, and then boom, you've got your stereo pair. Mm -hmm. And once you got a nice pair, you can do anything you want. <laughs> just just tell the tell the clouds to hold still. Oh boy! <laughs> there you go. Or or get get two cameras, put them next to each other, and a double uh, shutter release. And, and pe people have done that. Oh, oh yeah. They people taken two brownies and put them together. Yep. Um, there was um, um, uh, Cosmo Photo posted an article about where someone has basically put two Arat 18s into a box and built us. Oh, a stereo? Cheap Russian stereo camera. Yeah. Very Soviet. I saw a guy who built, um, he had a, ma a stereo macro rig that he built, and he basically had... Oh, that'd be cool. He had, uh, he put a mirror, I think he masked at the back by the film, and he put a mirror at the front, and so it was taking these two mirror images, and he basically was imaging these two mirrors that had a couple of prisms, so so there was effectively like yeah. two light sources being pumped into the front of the lens. And I think and Pentax built an adapter that would do... Stereo photography, you just stuck it on the front of your lens. Yeah, and I believe Facebook yeah. does it right now, too, with that stupid and, thing. And there are rumors. Uh, that's, I think that's an iPhone Is it? thing. It's yeah. iPhone. And there are rumors that back in the day, there was a custom Barnack Leica I'm stereo not belt. surprised. Double, double, double Barnack. Double, yeah. But I, I, do like the con, I do like the concept of, of a Russian 
uh, stereo sort of thing, you know vodka double vision it's a perfect fit oh absolutely <laughs> single vision if you look at one of these pictures when you're drunk <laughs> there you go so um bill now the uh, contacts 3a is well contacts rangefinders in general aren't exactly the uh, easiest cameras to repair so i if you ever have one and again i'm not slagging the three uh the, the contacts rangefinders i like more precision <laughs> Cameras, and I think in hindsight, if I was going for a mount like that again, I, and if I was going from scratch, I probably would have saved up a few more dollars and gotten a Nikon S2 or or an SP or an S3. Uh, I got some great, I got some great photos out of my Contax 3A over the years, and then it started acting up. Namely, it's shutter, and as everyone knows, uh, or in the know, with lovely German rangefinders of a certain vintage, uh, the shutter is a very complex assembly compared to uh, Lights' uh, you know focal plane, you know horizontal focal plane claw shutter. Like Zeiss Icon went to ten with this shutter, and there's really really only guy left on. Well, there's one place out of Ottawa that says they do it, but I don't know anyone who has actually used them and I will not tell them by name because again I, I really have no way to, uh, to give a, an endorsement but there is one gentleman who does Zeiss Icon contacts repairs and he's backed up by about what five ten years or something like that and it just sort of got to the point I had a shelf clean on my hands and I wanted some gear, so I took it down to Burlington Camera. Joan knew what, what what it was for, and you know, it's got a new home somewhere. I got some new gear. I think it was like a Nikon lens or something like that. Um, and everyone's happy. Uh, I do have some other sort of stuff that are well, basically parts cameras, like Minolta SRTs. Uh, models that one's pretty ghetto looking and I have another one that looks cosmetically great but the shutter's kind of well the mirror assembly's kind of off so again they're kind of like sort of donor cameras that if someone's doing an S a CLA on the, one, uh, an SRT I have and they kind of say hey have you got any parts bodies I'll say sure I'll send you what I got and you can use them for whatever comes into your shop down the road yeah, it's sort of like shelf cleans. I don't, all my cameras work, but yeah, the 3A, it was beautiful, but I really didn't want to wait and get it overhauled. So I went to a new home. And last but certainly not least, um, our resident engineer has one camera... He has a lot of cameras that he got thinking that he could repair them, but um, a name that has cropped up many times on this, uh, this, but not this particular camera, um, and that is Matt and his Zenit ET. Yeah, so I, uh, I, was, I was given an ET uh, in an attempt to repair it um, because uh, this, guy, this guy I knew, he, he bought it brand new right from the Ukraine. Or when I say brand new, I mean brand old, but that it new in box, new in box with the box, a lot of those. squeaky clean, 
Uh, it does not look like it's ever been shot. Like there's no, there wasn't even like any you know scratches on the on the uh, pressure plate or anything. It looked super fresh, but it didn't shoot. And when I got into it, uh, I basically found that the 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 rubber in the shutter curtains had uh, returned to its original form of oil and tar, oh. and uh, oh boy. was coming out in in Nothing many worse. pieces. Nothing worse than a defective rubber. Oh, oh, ow! Yeah, it can cost you big time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the so the camera um, was briefly converted into a pinhole. Uh, with 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 the, with the mirror permanently locked up. Um, well, therein lies the problem. <laughs> well, this was well, this was after pinhole in your rubber is a bad thing. Yeah, there was a pinhole. Rubber. Was, I thought they say accidents cause people. There was a pinhole in the front, and uh, but even then, it was not uh, deserving of life because the film advance also didn't work properly. Now that the shutter was missing, uh, it didn't it didn't want to didn't want to release on every shot. And you press the shutter button to try to get it to let you advance the film, and it and it, and it fought hard. So eventually, it was uh, uh, dissolved into further constituent parts and turned into some more homemade camera pieces. You make it sound like it's just sort of like decaying to the point. It's like it's recycled. It rotted. But yeah. It, it returned to the earth in a way. Oh uh, dear! Well, it, it certainly seemed that way—the way that it was turning into goo on the inside, and then, but the outside was—I mean, you know—I mean, it, it, the, I guess you know, the 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 '80s was not kind to the Soviet Union, nor was any other point in time. Uh, but it uh, well, '50s and '60s, <laughs> kind to the Soviet Union, not so much kind to the people. <laughs> right. Well, well, maybe this was a Friday afternoon camera. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking maybe it could have been a Monday morning camera. I mean, maybe they work seven days a week. So whichever it was a whichever, bread shortage, whichever camera. was yeah, it was a bread shortage camera. Um, the the kid who built it was not uh, functioning on all cylinders that day. Too much vodka. Yeah, not enough uh, baby formula, maybe. <laughs> so it ended up it ended up um, donating its its vital organs to my. Uh, 24 by 96 millimeter uh, panoramic 35 millimeter. I there we stole go. the lens mount. I stole the film counter. I stole the um, film sprocket uh, sprocket roller. Um, nice. Anything else? I just still have a bag of other pieces from it. That uh, if I ever need some Russian screws or something for another camera. <laughs> I thought you could order those online. You can order Russian screws online. <laughs> but it's nice to keep some around, oh, boy, because of the shipping time. <laughs> Are you okay there, John? <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you want them fresh. So. They're likely not going to be fresh. <laughs> they don't, they don't spoil too quickly. Like a lens, you don't know until you mount them. <laughs> Jesus! Make sure you check for fungus. <laughs> oh dear! Oh, good lord! So it's living its best uh, second life in my uh, in my my ultra panoramic. Uh, homemade camera. So there we go. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, huh. keep those emails coming. Oh, actually, a neat little thing apparently uh, that I read when trying to find more information about how to fix it uh, before it uh, revealed that it was not repairable. Um, the the door has a has a yarn seal, and the yarn is apparently made from oh, yak yes yak wool. Wow! Oh, wow. Which is cool. Um, oh. It looks just like regular wool, but yeah. It came from a yak, apparently. So, 
Anyway, huh. you don't see yaks every day. We're not in Siberia, so yeah. it makes sense that we don't see them every day. Well, um, in, in some cases, the cameras there are worthwhile to get fixed. And one term that a lot of people throw around a lot is CLA, or uh, Clean Lube and Adjust. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard it from good sources that camera repair shops hate that term. They prefer um, overhaul. Uh, they prefer overhaul. They also prefer a lot more detailed information yeah. that you can give them. My it, camera is not doing this. That's or right. is doing this. CLA sounds like a camera that works but just needs a tune-up. It's like equivalent yeah. of an oil change rather than yeah. actual repairs. That right? is exactly well, it's more, what it's it is. more prever- preventative maintenance. Like you do it every 10 years or so. Yep. Like, for example, I've got an Olympus LM1 I bought uh, off a camera repair tech in Toronto who's no longer with us. And he overhauled it. He converted it to silver oxide batteries. But I bought it off him in around 2006. I want to say 2006. <coughs> 2006. Yeah, that sounds about right. And um, you know what? It's probably due for some love. And again... Uh, the viewfinder's a little on the dirty side. It could use uh, a well, good clean there. All mechanical cameras need to be checked mm-hmm. yeah. at some interval. I think some things that will influence that interval is the age of the camera itself. Because, like as Matt ex- Matt's example said, like you know, you have some type of organic material, like you know, rubber or yak wool, yak wool, or you know, some perhaps felt or some other fabric type of stuff. That stuff's going to degrade over time. Well, it's weird, though, because uh, it's more like rubber back seals. Those turn to goo over time. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. the foam degrades. Yeah, badly. foam degrades. Foam degrades. Um, but other things, too, like stuff that you don't think about. Uh, lubricant, as, for, as an example, can evaporate and turn into glue. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an, any, like, old Ansco-type camera or, some, yeah. you know, like an old, old uh, like, folders. Um, um, Coney Omegas yeah. are... The um, whatever lubricant they use in there, yeah. it turns green and it basically turns into cement. Like and, yeah. and you can soak them in naphtha for two days, and sometimes they come loose, sometimes they don't. Um, they are like yeah, it really depends. But it's always a good idea to periodically uh, work out all of your mm-hmm. your mechanical cameras. Keep the lubricant uh, spread out around the shutter mechanisms, particularly right. if you have. You know, like your synchro or or comper or copal type shutters. Yep. Um, exercise they, is healthy. They, they always need exercise for sure to keep tension in those springs, mm-hmm. stop things from seizing up. There's moisture in the air. Um, and another good thing to do is, especially if you have a shutter that has a time function, is yep. when you're not using the camera, keep keep it on that T mode yep. because that eases the tension on the spring. Yeah. Um, if you're not going to use the camera for a while, take the batteries out. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh for There's sure. so many little things you Especially can do. Especially the double A's. Yeah. The for double you, A's oh, yeah. and your flashes, etc. <laughs> for you F2 shooters out there, take a read of Silver Wong's uh, website and mm-hmm. his maintenance tips for your F2s, which yeah. means never leave them cocked when they're not. Oh, I was just going to yeah. say that. Yeah. It's like you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. Yep. In fact, I never leave any of my shutters cocked on my cameras. And neither uh, do I. Um, Same here. Just makes it easier to load them. Yeah, makes as it well. easier. Yeah. Um, but no, like anything, um, both uh, John and I work in the IT field. James as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely don't want the customer 
giving us what they think the problem is. No. <laughs> the best thing you can do is when you do send it off to a repair tech like Renee at um, Quebec City. in Quebec City or Roger, may he rest in peace, mm -hmm. um, is to give them the symptoms exactly. that you're facing. I it's like not your idea on how to fix it. Right. They're the professionals. For example, I have an Olympus OM2. It works fantastic in auto mode. The light meter does not work in manual mode. So by this... Right short note. That is exactly what I will say, yeah. is that A, the camera does not go into manual mode. It always shoots in automatic. And the the needle does not adjust. Well, yeah. No matter what I do. Well, so that is all I will basically say when I send the camera to them. And the most important thing is to do is to trust the repair technician. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're sending them the camera for. You are, exactly. you are sending them the camera. Trust that they will be able to determine based on not only what you've said, but your their troubleshooting. Yep. Yeah. To get it right. And if, if you can meet a repair person, uh, a tech uh, in person, and bring your camera to them yep. and demonstrate. That's that's such an amazing experience to do. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe the maybe they'll tell you you're using it wrong. They're getting harder to find. Like, uh, uh, I was fortunate enough when my my Hassie was uh, <coughs> causing me some issues. Um, the the barn doors in the back were sticking, mm. and I just took it over to Joe Vieira, and I said, Joe, um, here's what's happening. I'm sure there's other things going on with this camera. Can you just check it out for me and make it brand new? I want it completely overhauled. I want a brand new Hasselblad when you're done. Well, and I sort of got that situation with the Rolly 35. It's my maiden Germany one with the Tessar lens. It shredded. Uh, I went to the end of the roll of some Delta 100. It was a cold winter's day. I was skiing. It would not rewind. I tried to rewind. I tore the film. I would manage to salvage said film and process it and the lovely photos are up on my photo blog and in Toronto film shooters and negative positives a few months ago but then I tried to run some color film through it and same thing unfortunately I could not salvage the color film so that mm. went into the trash so I need to find a guy who can repair Rolly 35s because they're tiny cameras with and it's really a rewind issue or because uh, you're really when you set it to rewind you want it to be free enough that you know, you yeah, know, I mean, that that's the challenge today, right? Like, I mean, that's why it's, you know, it's so important. Like, I really encourage people, go out, buy new cameras, oh. new, new film cameras, because at the end of the day, our reliance on essentially what is a fossil fuel, old cameras, mm. um, it, it, you know, you're just, you can't rely, you, at some point, um, there'll be more film than there will be cameras available yep. to shoot the way things are going. Um, support. Whether or not it's guys like Matt, um, like Camerodactyl, I don't know who else. Yeah. Um, you know, you can support Nikon, get an F6 too if you want. Um, I know the, I think, I don't think Leica is making the M7 anymore. I'm not sure if they still are. No, the no. M7, they're still making the MP and they're making the MA, which yeah. is basically yeah. a 21st century version of an M3 oh. with 28 frame lines. Yeah. Well, all we're basically saying is that make sure that it's worthwhile to fix your camera. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I'm going to get my OM2N repaired because it's worthwhile. It's, it's a solid performer. It's a camera I can see myself using on a regular basis. I will, if my Roloflex 
um, has problems, I will get it repaired. Would I get my F5 repaired? Probably no, not. You'd probably replace it. I got a Maxim 9, yeah. and I can replace it for less than what I got it for. Or I would just keep all my Nikon lenses and get a Nikon digital SLR. Yeah. Right? Well, that's the and thing. And just go with that. I think that's not Nikon's classic camera. From the F3 onwards. <laughs> I, I hear like those motherboards, you can't replace them. No. And I, I, I've sort of made peace of the fact that. Yeah, at some point, my two F3s are going to be gonzo, so my F4 and my two F90Xs, they're going to go bye-bye. But I've got a lot of F2s, I've got a bunch of Fs, I've got some knicker mats, I've got an FM, an FE, two FMs, an FE, an FE2, an FM2N. Yeah, I'm okay. And a partridge with an F3? It's <laughs> not like that. <laughs> but again, it's like Sony, like like the FM3A, like that's a grail camera of mine, but I don't think I'll ever get it because it's like if something were to go wrong, it's like Nikon's not going to bail me out. No. No, well, I mean, and 99% of the film cameras today, you're on your own yep. in well, terms of repair. Like, you know, you're not going to get warranty on anything, so... Mm. Well, the other thing is, the big point-and-shoot craze, it's like a lot of these cameras will brick within the five- or ten-year period that we've had Or less. Yeah. yeah, they were not heirloom items when they were built. They were built They were built to a price point. That's right. Yeah, and... As is everything. Yep. Exactly. Well, that about covers it for this episode. Uh, my name is Alex Lokes, and like everything, keep it clean, keep it lubed, and when necessary, just adjust. This is Bill Smith. Um, yeah, what Alex said. This is James Lee. If you're uh, going to build a Franken camera, beware because you're going to end up with this. <laughs> Perfect. This is Matt Beckberger. I'm going to see if I can talk James into giving me some of those clinky parts. This is John Meadows. If it ain't broke, Take it apart and find out why. <laughs> Break it some more. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>